It's time for episode 47 of the Clockwise Podcast from your pals at IDG, recorded July 31st, 2014. Clockwise, four guests, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, a podcast where it's time for us to stop coming up with clever things at the opening. I'm your co-host, Jason Snell, and sitting across the country from me is my co-host, Dan Warren. Hi, Dan. Which I say never! Never. (laughs) All right, well, Well, it's your turn next time. (laughs) Until we're really desperate. Yeah, exactly. You're you're going on vacation next week, though. I am. I'm going to miss you. Let me introduce uh, one of our two special guests. Uh, sitting across from me here in San Francisco, it is TechHive's very own Leah Yamshun. Hi, Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Thank you. You're leaving for vacation, Dan, and I just got back as the world turns. That's nice. Our other guest this week is, I believe, making his second appearance on yes. Clockwise, uh, Greenbot staff writer Blake Stimmick. Hi, everybody. Hi, Blake. Welcome back. Thank you. I, we learned last time we were saying how to pronounce your name correctly. So yes, I'm, I'm Stimmick. Relieved. I get, I think I get I, them all. It's fine. I think I pulled it off. Uh, since I started with my non-introduction introduction, I am going to introduce the first topic. We'll have four topics. It'll take less than 30 minutes. Easy peasy. Um, here's mine. I just got back from Comic-Con where I spent a couple of days in uh, sort of a claustrophobic freakout because there's so many people at Comic-Con. But I started going because uh, I was interested in the impact the iPad had and tablets in general on on comic books and the comics industry. And the most interesting story there this time was lots of people just feeling really sad about comicsology. This is, this is uh, another front in this war between Apple and Amazon where Apple wants uh, – uh, to have take 30% of all transactions that happen on an, on an iOS device uh, in an app. And Amazon doesn't. And so you can't buy Kindle books um, in the Kindle app, and now you can't buy comic books in the Comixology app. And so many people I talked to said they used to use this all the time. This was something... That they, that they would do. They'd read the end of a comic and they'd get the, the next screen would be literally like press here to buy the next comic and they would do that and it was instant gratification. And it's and it's all gone now. Everybody's just sad. Um, and, and so my question for all of you is really, um, you know, at what point do I, I got a lot of ways we could go here, but I'm going to say at what point do the battles between these tech titans end up just hurting consumers? And at what point is it going to stop? Because this is literally Apple and Amazon squabbling, and the end result is they're both at fault, but the people who lose are their customers because now you can't buy those comics. So is there a way out of this? Uh, you know, do you have frustrations about this? Totally open ended topic. Make it your own, Leah. Yeah, John, go go for it. It is really frustrating to watch, especially when you have, in the case of Comixology, it's a feature that was once there and that was great and that people liked, and then they have it just ripped They're away from them. Literally, just like the interface vanishes and there's nothing left. It's that's got to be. <laughs> it's got. It's frustrating for content discovery, and it's frustrating for. It, it adds an extra step of having to to get the content that they want. Um, it's. It's hard to say because Amazon and Apple are still making gobs of money, even if Comixology has taken a hit and if Apple has taken like a little bit of a hit not getting their 30% from these sales. They're still making money and they still want to have like they want to be right. So I think even though they are hurting consumers, there hasn't been enough of a consumer backlash for it to really be super noticeable on either of their ends. So I don't really think there's going to be – I don't see either one of them really giving 
giving in quite yet, especially it's still relatively new. You know, this just happened in April. It's only been going on for a couple of months. So I think we're going to see this battle for a little while. Um, and meanwhile, Amazon's going to be like, but you can get the same, exp- you can have that instant gratification in our products. So maybe that's really what they're trying to go after. Right. Or, I, or any Android device. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think they kind of tried to soften the blow by saying, oh, but now you can have DRM-free downloads and you can take your content on different platforms than just, you know, your your tablet. But I don't quite think that's enough. Sadly. Yeah, it's interesting because comics is a, is kind of a, a niche market, but mm-hmm. at the same time, it's also an extremely passionate market. Um, and so I think that that interplay will be interesting to watch because the people who are using that app or who are no longer using that app in many cases are people who tend to be very vocal about this sort of thing. Um, when you go a little more mainstream, and of course, this has been a problem forever with the Kindle app. Um, but you don't hear as much about it because I feel like, you know, the mainstream, it gets diffused a little bit. Most, a lot of people don't know what's going on. They just, that's always the way it's been. Um, so you get confused questions from like your grandmother about why she can't buy, you know, a book on her tablet, but you know, you don't, (laughs) what are you going to say? Uh, well, these two companies are fighting over piddling amounts of money basically. Um, and I think, you know, that's kind of a microcosm of the whole technology experience in some ways, you know, I think to the frustrations I have with some of the streaming services for video, um, where there's things that are on TV that don't get aired for like 30 days uh, on a streaming site. Um, And it's just because they can't come to the licensing agreement. They don't want the content available right then because they're afraid that it will take money out of the pockets of, uh, you know, out of their pockets because of the cable companies and all the kickbacks and, you know, business deals that are going on there. So, you know, when you boil it all down, it really comes to a flaw with capitalism. <laughs> Not to be too. Are you fomenting revolution here, Dan? Well, but like you know, people say capitalist markets always find the best solution. I would argue they tend to find the most cost-effective solution, and in this case, that's what it's really about: is just trying to find not the thing that works for consumers the best, but the thing that makes the most money. And you know, to a certain extent, we're always going to be dealing with that because that is the way our society is structured. So join me in anarchy. I know right. I got nothing. I got nothing. All Blake, right. What well, do you think? Yeah, try, top that one, Blake. Overthrowing the world uh, economic system. Thanks, Dan. You're welcome. Uh, I think a lot of the things that uh, Leah was saying actually kind of echoed what I was thinking. I think that consumers might be getting hurt to some extent, but at the same time, not not enough that it's going to immediately affect them. I don't think Amazon's, you know, Amazon's benefits to having, you know, DRM-free or, you know, all the benefits you can get from their store. I highly doubt any iOS users are going to be running over to get buy one of their products. And, you know, just because of the people, uh, you know, especially when it comes to comic books, I think, and given their passion for it, I think if they can't find it in one place, they're definitely going to find it in another somehow. Like, yeah, I, I think I think you guys have really summed it up. Leah, you, you nailed it. Um, these are two giants who can't, who won't be hurt. They're not going to feel the pain of this. And as a result, um, it. It, they're not really motivated to solve this problem. They're just going to let the consumers feel the the pain of it. And and uh, until uh, and this will never happen, I think. But until Apple feels like people are actually not buying iPads and opting for Kindle Fires or Android tablets because they want to read comics more, buy comics slightly more efficiently, um, they're not motivated to change. Even though this could totally be resolved by a slight change in Apple's policy or a change of heart from Amazon. Um, 
they're not motivated to do it because it doesn't. They're, they're not feeling the pain. It's only the users that feel the pain. Anyway, thank you all for your feedback about my nerdy comic book things. I like Spider-Man. Anyway, <laughs> Leah, what's your topic? Um, Yelp this week added uh, the option to make a video review as part of your overall business review on Yelp. And uh, I don't know how I feel about this. So do you guys think this is helpful? Is this something that Yelpers like were missing from the Yelp experience? Dear God (laughs) (laughs) is really all I can say. I think I don't know anything about this other than I, I think they if you have to leave a video review, it should have to be a vine. I think that's just like huh. that's the proper uh-huh. size and and format for that kind of thing because I don't want to watch a 5 minute video review. I want to right. re- I want to be able to read a comment, you know, when I have the time to do so. Um if I yeah, I don't know why I would ever watch a video review of a business or restaurant. I mean, unless it was really hilarious. Disclaimer, the clips are only 3 to 12 seconds long. Okay. So they are okay. fine. Okay. Okay. I should right. I should have added that. That is reasonable. I understand. I was thinking like a 2-minute review. I'm like, no. Oh, God, I don't want to I don't want to see 2 minutes. How good these nachos from, are. Yeah, I don't want to <laughs> see 2 2 minutes of video from anybody on the internet. Um I don't know. I guess I understand what they're going for. You know, you know, Yelp probably needs to get people a little more engaged. Uh, in its community, and that seems like a good way for them to do it. I don't know if it's useful. It might be hilarious, um, but I feel like, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like Yelp reviews are so fascinating anyways because they're so hit or miss. As someone who spends a lot of time looking at Yelp reviews before going out to restaurants and seeing like, this person hated it, this person loved it. Okay, most of the people are in the middle. It's probably fine. Like, I don't, I don't know how much video is really going to change the way that I pick what restaurants I go to, unless it's like, check out the video of like rats running around in this restaurant. I'd be like, okay, I probably won't go there. Um, so, yeah, it doesn't really do anything for me, but yay, go for it, Yelp, whatever you need to do. Uh, yeah, I don't think that's really going to ever have any sway on me uh, when it comes to what restaurants I go to or who I choose. I, you know, that's pretty much all I have to say about it. I would be more interested in it if it happened to be like those, um, what was like the celebrities reading Yelp re- reviews on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. If it was something like that, I mean, like I'm all for it. But other than that, <laughs> it can, it can have them. I, I am, um, I'm in the same boat. I, I don't see, I have a problem with individual Yelp reviews as it is, like Dan said. I feel like Yelp maybe it works best in aggregate where you yeah, sort of definitely. end up with a, a, a general consensus about whether this is good or bad. You throw out the outlying reviews and you find out whether people like this or not if, or if there are particular things that are good and bad so you know what to order. I'm skeptical of Yelp reviews in general because they feel like some of them are fake positive and some of them are one-time negative experiences. And they also read a little bit like good re- goodreads reviews to me where it's there's a lot of people who like to tell you everything about their yelp reviewing um, process which i really don't care about because that's not why i'm there so i don't see how video adds to the equation unless unless your food is moving unless your food is doing something like some food that's got flames coming out of it uh your 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 sizzling fajitas your baked alaska something like that where you actually need to see your food in motion, I suppose it would be valuable for that. Frankly, I generally like my food to not be uh, on fire and not be moving in any way. And therefore, still pictures and words do me just fine, too. Yeah, but Baked Alaska, everybody knows that fire is involved in that. So you don't need, like, video evidence. Yeah, of, it's true. Yeah, I don't know. This Baked Alaska was not on fire. <laughs> so <laughs> disappointing. One Their star. Their Baked Alaska, the Baked Alaska at the next table had way more fire yeah. than my did. Listen to these fajitas. They're sizzling. <laughs> more like they a are sizzling. Alaska, am I right? 
I don't know. This just kind of seemed like Yelp was like, oh, gosh, we need something new to do. What what can we do? We Let haven't really think. added anything new to the Yelp experience in a while. What's everybody else? Videos. Videos will be perfect. These quick videos. The kids like these. These People days. Let's love just videos. You get that hint so, of the uh, hint of a whiff of desperation. Yeah, a little bit. Um, and they they're like their announcement about it was like, oh, you can tell so much about the ambiance of, of a place by a video, but I'm really not that convinced. Yeah, unless it's like tableside guacamole being made or like I'm at the Rainforest Cafe. Look at this gorilla, you know, grunt at me or whatever. Like unless it's something like that, it's really not adding anything. <laughs> Dan, it's your turn. Yeah, so there's a lot of stuff going around in the, uh, at least in the iOS world this week about uh, what some people like Marco Arment have called app rot and these ideas that apps are just sort of getting stagnant. The app community has slowed down a little bit. And I, I was noticing this myself this week when I was asked to uh, write up some, you know, an app that I'd been using recently for one of our uh, regular roundups. And I was like, man, what apps have I used recently? And I suddenly realized... I tend to use the same like dozen apps that I've always used. And I, I was thinking about like, oh, all right, I should go find some new apps. And so I went to the app store and I'm like, everything here seems to be games. Like literally everything on the front page is a game. And I'm just not, I like games, but it's so inundating. And so my question for you guys is we all deal with a lot of apps on a daily basis and we try out lots of new apps. I'm curious to know how you guys find new apps. What is your best sort of vector for figuring out like, oh, this is a cool thing that sort of flew under the radar. Don't, I mean, I don't want you to give away your secret sauce if that's what it's coming to, but I, I need your, I need your help. Blake, what do you, how do you find new apps? Oh, this is a uh, tricky, um, I think, I don't know how I find new apps. I usually just open up since I'm primarily an Android user. Um, I just kind of open up the Play Store and then just hope I get lucky. I think that... <laughs> I think both uh, the App Store and the Google Play Store, they're both dealing with this oversaturation problem. And, you know, unless you're like hearing, unless I hear about it from like an outside source mm. uh, of like online or reading something like that, I'm probably not going to be actively seeking something out. I do know that what Amazon for their App Store, they just announced that they're going to be giving away $100 worth of paid apps today. And I downloaded about six of them, and I know for a fact I'm probably going to open one of them and never look at the other ones again. <laughs> so um, I'm not really sure. how. I have no secret to that. I'll just hear about it, download it, and, and maybe delete it. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I don't shop in the app stores at all anymore. It's all word of mouth. Uh, <laughs> I thought you were going to say you only get bespoke apps, Jason. <laughs> I, 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 I don't do off-the-rack apps. If you can't email me... An IPA package with my user ID, and I, I, I sideload it onto my iPhone. I'm not interested. Sorry. <laughs> um, no, I, I. It's all Twitter and Facebook a little bit, but mostly it's p th p things people are talking about on Twitter that, um, or or people I follow who uh, are writing about new apps that are coming out on websites like ours and others. Other websites are also available, <laughs> and. And uh, that's that's what I do because I, I'm hoping that those human beings will sift through this. This all said, there was this question about can an indie developer make it in the app store, and there was this RSS. Dan, you remember the name of that RSS I think it's app? Un Unread, I believe. Unread, right? Yeah. And 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 they said, oh, you know, he didn't. People loved it, and everybody wrote about it, and then and but he didn't sell very many. And I remember thinking, I've never heard of this app, and if I have, it completely just blew past me. And I actually pay attention to this stuff, and I completely missed the. Ex 
existence of this app. So there's a huge problem with finding new apps. I do think there are new apps out there. It's not the early days anymore. People are going to be bored. I think part of this is not real. I think part of this is, oh, I'm just using those apps that I I, I bought uh, you know a year ago. And it's like, well, yeah, that's what happens when a, a platform matures is that they're all old apps now and those are the best apps and it settles down. But for new app discovery, it's hard. I think the app stores do a terrible job of floating it up. I know, you know, I know they try to feature things and they've got top charts and stuff, but I, there's so much junk that it's really hard to find good stuff. So I turn to our friends like us, our friends in the media, and also people on social networks to find interesting things to, to, to check out. But I'm with you, Dan. I, I was also, when we were prompted to write stories about new apps, I was like... I'm not sure I have any new apps that I actually recommend to everybody, but I think that's natural because I've got so many great old apps, and I use the, I use apps all the time. I just don't have new apps. Leah, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I I'm kind of my strategy is much like yours, Jason. I read a lot about what other people are are talking about. I check Twitter, check other social media accounts, talk to my coworkers at the office, see what everybody else is using. Like things come up all the time where just. Like organically, someone will start talking about some new app that they're using, and I'll check it out. Um, I read a lot about what other tech sites are talking about, just kind of what's what's getting um, some buzz. But I also do a lot of just with the nature of of our jobs is you know I reach out to um, developers and just kind of see what's cooking and PR people and see if they have any like new clients or apps that they think are worth my time. Less so much on the PR front, but more on the developer front, just to kind of see what's cooking and see if there's anything that I think I should keep um, an eye out, like an eye out for. Um, And I do check the App Store and the Play Store to see what's trending, but a lot of those apps are are old apps too, or it's things like Facebook Messenger is trending this week. Oh, I wonder why. It's because Facebook is forcing everybody to download Messenger. Like, that's not a new app or a new thing to me that's like not really as of, of it's not super interesting apart from things that we've already covered. Um, and even though there is a lot of app fatigue and a lot of the apps that we keep using every day are older apps, there are still great apps that are coming out. There's a lot of really lovely new designed apps. I think especially on the games front too, like Dan, you said you're getting overloaded by all the new games that are coming out. But this year we had Threes, we had Monument Valley, Mm. we saw some beautiful, Mm, awesome new things that I'm still using all the time. So I don't think, even though the App Store might have, you know, we've reached its peak and we're coming down, there is still hope there are awesome apps out there that are being released. Yeah, I, I agree with kind of what you all said, that word of mouth is still the most reliable way to find good new apps. Um, and I agree completely that there are awesome apps that are out there. Sometimes the trick is is separating the, you know, as we try to do here, separating the wheat from the chaff and decide like, yeah, there's a couple really good games that are sort of making the rounds. But there's there are so many, like we were talking about, that it's just sometimes it's hard to figure out, you know, to find those, especially if they don't make it up on the charts or what have you. Um, so I, I think it is a real challenge, and as Jason was saying, for developers especially who are trying to make their apps stand out, um, it's a lot harder than it was four or five years ago when every you know there was a lot of stuff that felt like it hadn't been done before. And I think for me, I'm kind of looking forward to this fall for iOS 8 because I feel like every time a new major operating system comes out, 
you know, Apple certainly opens up a lot of new features and a lot of APIs to developers to do new and interesting things. And I think that's sort of we we get a yearly sort of chance to refresh and see what people can do with these new technologies that are now available. So I'm kind of looking forward to that. But I feel like, you know, as we hit that lull right before that, you know, we're kind of in the eye of the storm and everything is kind of quiet and feeling a little bit stagnant. So we'll see how it goes in a month or two. Well, iOS eight will also give us, you know, the extensions and and uh, right, yep. keyboards and things that the Android uh, oh, right. users have had all along, but that will be new and, and um, exciting and novel for iOS users, and and that'll that'll perk everybody up briefly. Maybe App Store Search will get better too. That's one they, thing they I have love said. To they see. I feel like working. Search is just useless. They, they bought said, a bunch of companies in right, that area. And, and It'd be they, nice. Good. And they did announce that iOS eight will will when they roll that out, they're bringing a lot of changes to the App Store editors' choices and all these curation yeah, thing. Maybe that'll so help. We'll see if it helps. All right, Blake, it's your turn. What do you have for us? All right. I was uh, kind of trying to think of a, a subject earlier today, but I think I want to briefly touch on uh, the connected home, <clears throat> the connected home and kind of where, where it is. I'm sure we've discussed it before, but um, uh, basically I think about a year, maybe a little over a year ago, I bought a Spent way too much money on the, um, you know, Philips Hue um, light bulbs. And then, um, you know, it was definitely had that novelty factor. It was really interesting. But, you know, now a year later, I'm questioning if I could ever, like, live without it uh, in a way that it just kind of changes the way I, you know, walk into my house, my lights come on. I have a really dim alarm that, you know, turns my lights on right when I'm waking up. You know, it's it's just really interesting. And now with the market trying to, you know, branch out into other other ways to you know make your home connected, um, and all, at the same time, it's still pretty expensive. But uh, just my question to you is like, what would be a um, what's your thoughts on the market, and then what would possibly get you to uh, purchase something in in that area? I uh, I just bought a couple of smart light bulbs too. I bought the uh, the LifeX ones that just they were a Kickstarter and mm-hmm. they just have been coming out. And I, I like them, although what they're lacking right now is the ability to set a schedule and and do some stuff like that. They've got presets, but what I really want to be able to do is have them sort of like dim dim to to off uh, late at night, and then in the morning, you know, come on and and start fading in. And I want to put them in like. Uh, you know, I want to have some preset stuff. They're going to be great at Halloween, though, because I'm going to put them in the outdoor <laughs> light bulb uh, sockets, and they're going to do crazy stuff for Halloween. But I don't know. It's fun, and, and I feel like we're getting to the point where these things are going to talk to each other. I think the LifeX bulbs can talk to Nest um, and do some things using Nest's occupancy sensor, which I like. Um, so I'm excited about doing more of this, and 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 we have talked about this in previous shows. It's you know, it's an exciting area. I feel like now that we've left the world of there will be a master controller in your home, and it will tell every appliance what to do we left that behind and it really is like everything is going to be slightly smart and on a network and they're going to be able to talk to each other and they're going to be able to coordinate their behavior and it can be your appliances it can be your lights it can be your front door it could be your you know your garage door your 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 door lock um I'm actually really excited about smart locks. That's one that I'm really looking forward to because um, with my kids, you know, I'd love to be able to give them a tag on their backpack or something that just stays there and they just tap it to the door and the door opens, you know, be able to give a code to somebody with an app and let them open the door for while they're staying with us and then it, it expires when they leave. Um, stuff like that I think could be pretty cool. So I'm looking forward to to that. I think it's, re- I think it's real now. I think this stuff is actually going to be rolling out and actually be useful in a way that for the last like 15 years we've been hearing talk about you know refrigerators that are on the internet and it hasn't it hasn't happened leah what do you think 
Uh, I haven't really purchased anything in the connected home space, partially because I live in an apartment that I rent. I don't have AC or heat, so, like, Nest doesn't really count. I don't think my landlord would like if I got a smart lock or, you know, I I just haven't. You could get a light bulb. I could get a light bulb. This is true. (laughs) But another reason why I haven't invested in anything is I'm still waiting for an ecosystem that's going to allow these things to harmoniously, like, function altogether. So I feel like once— once there's like a set ecosystem and kind of a plan for how all of these things are going to work together, that's when I want to get involved in it. Once I can kind of see the bigger picture instead of these individual smart connected pieces. I, but it is a fun space to watch. I, I like that you told Leah to buy a light bulb when it's like, well, or you could buy a pack of light bulbs <laughs> for a fraction of the cost. <laughs> but it's not a smart light bulb. But you can't make that bl- light bulb. Hey, I, you know, I, I put the light bulb in and put it in lava lamp mode and have my daughter come into the room and she was like beside herself. She's like, can I download this app? Can I do it? Can I change the color myself? I'm like, yes, yes. Enjoy this light bulb with my compliments. Well, like, it's like a ride at Disneyland, this like, light bulb. Likely, I, I live in an apartment, so I don't really have the option of putting in my own smart thermostat although i did try to entice my father at some point because i thought that like energy efficiency that's something that's really up his alley um but i did buy a um a wemo timer um that's just like you know plugs in and i plug my my lamp in my office into it because i like to have it go on on a timer um and i replaced i had like an old mechanical one of those crazy mechanical timers where you like, oh, yeah. send little pins and everything little pins yeah which worked fine like there's nothing wrong with it except that when you lose power or something you know it always screws up um so this is kind of cool because i don't have to like mess with it after setting it up and it has neat features like an away mode where it randomizes the time that your light goes on and off so it doesn't it's like if like thieves are casing your house mm-hmm. it doesn't look predictable it doesn't look like it's on a timer Granted, there won't be anybody coming in and out, so you know <laughs> that's still not the best practice for that. But it, it's it's an interesting idea. That's that's really all I have as far as smart home stuff goes. Um, and I I don't know. Maybe, you could get a light bulb. I, can, <laughs> I guess I could. I have been to a friend's house who has a bunch of those, and like you know they're entertaining. But again, like I think Blake was saying, the novelty is there, and then it kind of wears off after a while. Um, and I don't know. I haven't found anything compelling enough yet. And, and like Leah's saying, I think that looking for an ecosystem where all these things play well together, I think will be really interesting. Um, and I'm kind of intrigued to see where that market goes, but. I haven't yet found the smart home application that's really made me sit up and go, ooh, yeah, hey, that would be really, really useful. And again, being a renter and not a homeowner, Mm. it certainly limits what I can do. And that's kind of what I was doing. I don't have anything else other than that. Um, On the other side of novelty and these uh, Philips Hue, um, apparently... Philips um, had partnered with Sci-Fi, and they were releasing this yep. what the, the Sharknado, Sharknado two. two, and uh, unfortunately, I don't have cable. But as oh, you're watching awesome it, though. it would like change the lights as the <laughs> yeah. weather's getting worse. It was seemed pretty amazingly stupid. It's like smell-o-vision. Yeah, yeah. smart light bulbs. <laughs> it's very exciting. All right, we have reached the end. Thank you, Blake. That was a good one. Um, and uh, before we go, we like to do a bonus question that is uh, totally off topic. So I mentioned I went to Comic-Con earlier. I saw uh, one of the things that strikes me about Comic-Con is it's not like fans of a thing. Because it covers comics and books and TV and movies and every media possible, there are fans of these. Of, of Every aisle you walk down is something that has hundreds of, if not thousands, of fans of it. And then there's a totally different fandom in the next thing. So I, I thought I would ask you guys really quickly, um, 
if you went to something like Comic Con and, and and wanted to go to where there's a booth of literally everything, let's say, what would be your fandom? What's what's a thing that you're really a big fan of, Leah? What do you think? Harry Potter, so hardcore, and Harry Potter has its own fan convention called LeakyCon, and I want to go so bad. Is that happening now? I don't. I probably. Or, or, yeah, I think it, it it's gotten be. it's gotten bigger in that other fandoms go to LeakyCon. It's not just about Harry Potter now, but that's why I think these things are so great. Is it everybody's there and they're so excited and everybody like gets along it doesn't even matter which fandom is but yeah harry potter absolutely that's the thing i'd be into forever right. and always <laughs> right I, I i the sorting hat put me in ravenclaw that's I'm, me too I'm, you know, all right god damn it house. i just bombed with and i'm house. still really angry about it <laughs> <laughs> all right dan what's your fandom i mean jason you could probably answer this question for me so super, supernatural <laughs> yeah there fan? you go no uh well i i'm a fan of many of the different arrow things. Uh, Star Wars, I think, would probably be the, yeah, the most okay. obvious Star answer. Wars, yeah. But yeah, I really, I really do like pretty much everything that they do at Comic Con. I'm, I kind of dip my toe in all the fandom pools at one point or another. Right. Yeah, if I had to pick one for you, it would be Star Wars. Yeah, I think that's one I'd pick for you. Yeah. Yeah. Blake, you a fan of something? <laughs> yeah, um, I have. I'm kind of a huge fan of uh, horror and gaming, and my all time favorite game is uh, Silent Hill. Um, I have two tattoos about it, and I always see... I would say that qualifies I, you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I always see pictures up from Comic-Con of people dressing up like the character. So, um, I, yeah, that's my jam right there. All right. It's, there's no bad answer here because we all know that our coworker Florence Ion will say 90210 <laughs> and has said it numerous times <laughs> on this podcast. Yeah. So I don't know what I would say. Uh, it would probably be Doctor Who or Star Trek or something like that, the the, the classics. Um, but I also like the I like the comic stuff. Sp- big, like I said earlier, big Spider-Man fan, big Spider-Man guy too. If I were to get a tattoo, my wife and I had this discussion, if I were to get a tattoo because I have none, it would probably be Spider-Man, Spider-Man. related. I think that's <laughs> nice. what it would be. Just little little peering into my soul there. Well, we've reached the end of Clockwise. Leah Yamshins, thank you so much for being here again. Thank you for having me. It's always so much fun. You knocked it out of the park. Good job. Blake Simic, you did great too. I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna stifle you with praise, but you did a great job. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. And Dan, we've reached the end. Have a good vacation next week. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, if you're thinking of robbing Dan, his light <laughs> is gonna be on a timer. So he might be there. You never know. Until next time, when who knows who the host will be. Uh, it may not be either of us. I'll get a backup, Dan. It'll be fine. Uh, we remind you once again, as always, watch what you say and keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody. Bye.